Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Investing. I'm Tim Diesel, and today I'm answering a question. What is the best value add strategy? And I'm answering the question in a different way. I'm going to compare value add versus long-term buying, basically. So you can always go online, www.dieselcommercial.com, and you can look up and read all the articles I have on there. If you have any more questions, you can reach out to me, and I'll definitely help you out. So I want to break down the differences of value-add strategy versus value play, like long-term. And I'm not sure if there's any other special term for it in the country, but on the East Coast, and I'm originally from California, uh, we refer to it as value-add. So uh, I know in the residential term, if you're flipping properties, uh, they don't use that. It's something else. But uh, in actuality, you should only buy value adds, right? Because if the property is not going to increase in value, it wouldn't even make sense. So that's something, uh, why in the world would you buy something with no future upside? So the value add term investors say to brokers, whenever they're looking for a property, um, I'm referring to here is they want to increase their equity position quicker than the long-term rental and uh, appreciation method. So when investors call me and they say, I'm looking for value-add properties uh, or anywhere in the country, value-add properties, we're referring to increasing your equity position quicker, not uh, through long-term. So that's uh, basically the ground uh, floor for it. So the truth is many properties are value-add because if you hang on to them, long enough, you'll eventually make your money, right? So through long-term gains, you're increasing the rents, uh, just over time, financing gets better, uh, whatever the case may be. If you increase the value quickly though, I don't know what the exact uh, length and term is for for the property to be considered a true value add. Uh, I don't know. I would assume if after the deferred maintenance is done and you can easily turn it around, but I don't want to put a number on it. I don't want to say six months or a year or anything like that because that you could do it really in 30 days. It just depends on what it is. So some significant ways to increase value, let's say in apartments, which is what I uh, am familiar with and what I've done a lot, is separating the water meters. And all I did on one unit and if you just separate the water meters, your income automatically goes up, your expenses go down, and the value of the property will go up. So if you can get this done, uh, you'll get your money back uh, very uh, quickly, and you'll increase your cash flow, and you'll increase the value of the asset and the appeal. Because investors buying, they want the least amount of um management possible so they they would love it that's a big value add play but if you were to advertise that on a property let's say you're you're selling most investors won't view that as a true value add because the time getting it done the major it's just something that seem it has a stigma of too much cost or too much it's labor intensive that's usually not the biggest value add play they usually get into a rubs system Radio, uh, ratio utility billing, where they would use submetering or, or um, uh, have a water bill divided by however many tenants you have. So that's that's another method that's there. 
Now, most investors like to hold property for 10, maybe 15 years. Uh, that's what they tell me prior to buying. Now, the truth is most sell much sooner than that time. It's usually seven years. That's across the board. That's usually about the average ownership time in my marketplace. I don't know what it is in, in other places. I don't know what the tax advantages are in other places. I'm just in my marketplace. The average is seven years. Most of what we are discussing has to do with financing and terms when you're buying the property. Because if you're paying cash, the value of the property would go way down on most properties, except for maybe land of something in that nature, because most people don't finance a whole lot of land. So generally, investors want to arbitrage the existing cash flow and find a way to increase uh, the cash flow with favorable terms, right? So if you're paying $30,000 a year for money, and the property is making $40,000 a year, well, hey, that's a good enough deal. Um, maybe I'll move forward, typically, or whatever whatever your threshold is. And that's kind of how you want to look at it. So the main takeaway from this podcast is if you're playing the long game, you're going to be better off uh, in the end because there's less pressure of having everything done in a shorter window uh, if you have investors or partners and you need to answer, uh, then that'll be another thing off of your plate because it'll be much easier to manage. It'll be much easier. You have more time to, uh, it's more forgiving. You can do things. Now, if you're on a strict deadline and you have to pay back investors in three years or whatever the terms are, I get it. That's something different. You're specifically looking for a value add. If you're an investor, if it's just you or two people or whatever, I would go in there and think, how can I project the value uh, in five years? What, what do I project it being? So three, five, six years. Look at it long term because that's where most of the money is made. I know there's people making money quickly and you're hearing their stories. Hey, that's fantastic. But get on what works and what works uh, uh, best, basically. And that's typically how you want to do it. So I hope that was helpful. I'm at Tim J. Diesel. If you want to reach out to me, if you have questions or comments, please let me know. Check out my YouTube channel and subscribe because I deliver different material there consistently. And thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy your week.